Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here. We got different backgrounds. I got Tom here joining me on a little vacation. What's up, Tom? Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh, I'd say like don't judge the vacation on this background. Like this is a pit stop. <laughs> um, yes, we're we're in sunny Edinburgh uh, this week, and uh, you've got a, a very you know naturistic, lovely backdrop there. There we go. This is Florida living right here. Now, now it's the good times here. So, um, but it's it's nice to have a little bit back to back weeks on, on the DP World Tour. Right, we had a such a long break, and to no surprise, it was a difficult week uh, overall. I felt, I mean. 54 holes of it, Tom. We, we were all over that leaderboard. It was a frustrating Sunday, probably a frustrating weekend overall, kind of from our selections. But any thoughts on last week? Yeah, I think I think for us, really, like one of the things we, we said, didn't we, that we thought the guys that have been playing in Japan or Asia probably had an edge. Didn't transpire that way. It's probably the second time this season now, like especially with the South Africa Tour as well, uh, thinking that the same thing's going to happen. So... I think we were right to kind of hedge our bets a little bit with some more European guys, and it was great to see some of them come straight back out and play well again. I couldn't believe that we had Judge and Watson on leading. Uh, we had Hashino in like fourth place, and there were a couple of us in contention, didn't we? And then all of a sudden, Yannick Paul was like the lowest ranked of all of them. He was the only guy that finished inside the top seven. So yeah. um, it was it was a bit of a brutal weekend. Not not total surprise, I guess. Like that does happen when we've had a massive break. Uh, but I think, you know, I think the people that we picked were great. And I think it's just a case of, you know, we had some Sunday scaries, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, I would say overall, you just get yourself in those spots more and more times again. And we know the Sundays are going to go the, go its way. I felt that way on the PGA Tour when we got, I mean, you could say the same thing with Fitzpatrick, got lucky, yeah, quote unquote. Exactly, yeah. away. Like you just put yourself there many times and it's going to, to fall over once in a while. So, um but at the same time, do feel that the ambitious side of going with a, a heavy uh, Japanese golf tour related card could have been, I don't know, like, I think it's maybe a little bit of trepidation as I, as I look at this field strength in this week, because it's basically the same type of event, except yeah. uh, co-sanctioned with the, the Korea PGA Tour, uh, which is definitely a, a lower of the strength here. Um so what are your initial thoughts? I know it's a Jack Nicholas design course. We have seen it a, a handful of times. Korea PGA Tour, we saw it for the President's Cup in the past. Um, any initial thoughts as they dive into this week? Yeah, other than, you know, it's probably Jack Nicholas again to be out there saying it's the best course ever in Korea or something like that. He tends to tends to like his designs or his team's designs at least. But yeah, I think, you know, the kind of conversation we had slightly before we came on is it's going to be a tough golf course. It's going to be challenging. I think keeping it in the fairway is going to be important. Um, other than that, I don't think we have a whole lot of information that we've gained, obviously, from the course one that we've got is based on players that play on the Korean tour regularly, right? So we don't know quite how to handicap that. I don't think it's even as strong as Japan tour, so it's really hard to really quantify what to get from that. Uh, so not as heavy uh, on the Koreans as we were in, on the Japanese players last week, I think is important. Um, but I, I think it would be a, a pretty tough test, I think. And I think you can come off from off the lead as well. I think Sanjay was like seven back when he won the Genesis Open here. So like, I think there's potential for some, you know, late fireworks on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we saw it. I think the the two-time winner, 2013-2014, Sang Moon Bay, who was actually teed it up this week, uh, kind of rolled that into the yeah into that Presidents Cup uh, 
I guess he didn't have that great of a, a performance there, but um, he is probably the home or a horse for the course, but definitely something that a lot of the Korean-based players have had experience here. Um, but that's not the top of the leaderboard in which a lot of those odds guys that we liked, like Kanaya, Nakajima, uh, Hoshino, uh, Taiga Semakawa, all of those guys had experience. We're not getting any experience on this course until basically 50 to 1, and beyond that, it's, it's even deeper um, and that's just because Kazuki Higa had played at one time uh, back in 2016. So I echo your thoughts. I think it's going to be a difficult test based on some of the scores we have seen and the way it played in that President's Cup. It's a little bit more generous off the tee. And um, I, I mean, last week was was pretty tight um, overall. I think this is a chance that these guys are going to get a little bit able to, to get that driver back in their hand. But I, I love these type of tests. I think difficult tests in the DP World Tour kind of bring a certain type of echelon out of players. Um, and I'm kind of excited to dig into that. I think both of us have a selections at the top of the board um, that kind yeah. of fit that bill a little bit. So who are you starting with? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to, back to the world with Yannick Paul. I don't see any reason really to depart him like it, you know, based on the fact that he had those couple of runner up finishes before uh, the break. He then came back with a sixth place finish last week. It was mainly down to Find around 65, but really, when you look at it, actually 67, 70, 67, 65 suggests that he was kind of there all week. Um, and there's no reason to go back, like he's played that well off of a break. I don't see any reason why he couldn't then play that well a week after. You know, I think he's the type of person that can go back to the back in like Spain, like he did when he got the win in Mallorca. Um, I know it's Korea, not Japan, but you know, same part of the world in good form. I, th- I think I like Yannick Paul again, so. Not nothing too tricked up about it. He's obviously chasing that. You mentioned uh, last week the Ryder Cup uh, race is on for him. Third in the European points list now. Um, I see no reason why he can't carry that on. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you'll see kind of a theme, I think, with some selections as mine later in the card. I think I think there's been a separating in class in some of these guys at the top of the DP World Tour. Um, and some of them have already won events this year. And I think they can keep clipping them off. And Yannick is a perfect example. If you look at a smaller sample size, even 12, to 20 rounds. I mean, Yannick is separating himself by a quarter, half stroke almost around from the second best player during that stretch. So he has been extremely good. I mean, that's two strokes a tournament. He has averaged over the last four or five tournaments better than anybody else in the field. So definitely like Yannick a lot. I am landing on somebody that I think we give probably, you know, a hard time uh, uh, most weeks. And this was difficult this is difficult, not to say, because I absolutely love the golfer. I'm betting Bob McIntyre at 22 to one. And it's really, I just don't see him designed as a, you need to go out and shoot 63 type of golfer, right? I, ben Coley, you know, our friend made some links to open championship type um, with the likes of Louie playing very well here. Zach Johnson, Phil Nicholson played awesome um, in those events. I think Paul Casey um, even had, had some experience here that was well. And, Again, the more open fairways, the undulating greens type of unique golf. You're not playing it on the ground. You're not, you know, a little bit different. It's not Lynx golf, but Bob shows, Bob loves it when it's raining and, and windy and difficult out there. It's a single digit. I mean, you can, I can just envision just like Jason, you know, our friend Jason just lives for those open championship weekends that Bob's going to make a run at that leaderboard. And this feels like he's trending. He's, he's showed life at the round of the day on Sunday. Um, last week and that was a sneaky top 10 finish in my opinion for him um so it just feels like a bob week and uh at 22 to one i mean he's as good as anybody in the field i, I will be uh, landing on mcintyre to start yeah i think i think it's um 
yeah, we do give him a hard time. I think we give him a hard time because we want him to do better. Like, I don't think it's yeah. from a, it's not from a place of like, I just there's some players you just generally dislike to bet on and things like that. I just think he should be better and he should be getting those wins. And I think that a win here, I think when we talk about winning like career and you sometimes you're looking at the ask a bit of a weaker field and things like that, but I think it takes a lot from a golfer from a DP World Sound standpoint to come to Korea not playing there before and actually put on a strong performance. So I think a real real big win for him could be to speak for McIntyre. So both McIntyre and Paul can really boost their Ryder Cup chances of a win here. Yeah, it's almost like Lucas Herbert showing up last week and just doing the job, right? Like, and I love Herbert. You know, I'm sad that I missed that, right? But at 20, at the price it was, I was okay with it. But that's yeah. the expectations. That should be the expectations of what Bob needs to be showing. But, up I, but doing, I think right? like last week with, with Herbert, like I suppose we could have taken into the fact that he played the heritage, right? But like we were based on, the, we didn't want to go to the top of the odds board because of the kind of big break. Whereas this time around, we've had the week and we've seen that the players can come straight back off of, of the layoff and play well. We've now got another week's kind of information to go by. And, and I think we should be fine going to the top of the board this time. Yeah. And I would even say, you know, the, the interesting things when playing on this is just a little bit different than the Japanese golf tour had played a significant amount of events. I think the Korean PGA has played two events so far in this calendar year. Guys have eight rounds in them, most of them, unless they got a chance to play the international series. So a little bit different there. And then that this is a, a, a tour that normally doesn't get priced up. Like you're not seeing odds yeah. international, like definitely not in the States, but you're not seeing odds on international books for the Korean PGA, right? So a lot of these guys are getting priced up for the first time all year, right? Like, so it's it's a different kind of connection when we look at it from there and probably why we, we are landing where we are when half of the field is made up of those type of uh, kind of exemptions. Um, so I like our selections up at the top of the leaderboard. And then we have two in, in the middle range. And I, I'll start here. Um, I end up landing on, on Jorge Campillo. Yeah, I like this a lot. I, I, I have, I never get him right. I, I truthfully struggle to get him right. And I think I get him wrong in the sense of I jump into the weeks that everybody's on him. And I was yeah, actually a little yeah. surprised because those are the weeks that he just like, he might set up well, I have a correlation or something going into it that, that seems to feed into, I know Jason hit his last win. Um, yeah. We bring up that, but um, this, if I just simply say difficult tests on the DP world tour, he is a player that is very well-rounded. He can chip. He's got a good short game. He's decent off the tee. He's popping some irons, right? Like, I'm not making a comp to DLF, but, like, the Hero Indian Open wasn't that long ago. It was a difficult type of test. Where was Campillo on the first page of the leaderboard all the way in? He had just come off a win or just gotten the win, I think, the week after. Like, he is in top-notch form. He is 40-1 to 1 in a type of event or a difficult test uh, that I think – fits his type of style I think it's just too long of a price for me like I think he very well could have been in the 20s he's in the 20s in a good amount of books um, yeah. so I just think that price chasing Campillo there just thinking basic not looking at a statistical type of layout for him I just think he fits a difficult test of golf well and he's playing good golf and trustworthy I think is, is one of the things that we would say like even if you're wondering what the winning upside is sometimes with Campio. I trust him to be in the contention on Sunday, which is really important. As you said, you know, you put yourself enough times there on a Sunday, which he does. Uh, the chips fall in your favour sometimes, and I expect that from, from Campio again. So I think it's really strong to carry on. And, and to add to this as well, like, uh, I'm going to go straight to Judge Jenna Watsonond, and it's the point of just keep putting yourself there on Sunday, right? Like, again, ninth place finish last week. 
Um, should have been better. Like he was the, the vertex old co-leader. Um, absolutely no reason to think to not think that he's going to carry that on. I think he's really important to think. So to me, Chelsea Watson on keeps the form up, playing again in familiar surroundings. Hasn't played his golf course before, which I thought was um, a little bit surprising, considering how many times he's played. Um, in Asia, but I guess it's the Korean tour rather than the Asian tour, and he was playing the Asian tour at the time, so um, not a complete surprise, but I'd, I'd like to have seen him play the course maybe, but um, no reason to think, just like last week, he wouldn't go well again in the form he's in. He's probably the one guy I had issue leaving off, right? Like, you're, you're exactly, there's no reason to hop off, price is still completely fine, I know access is on, sticking with it this week, I just, it makes a lot of sense with the form that he keeps doing. Um <clears throat> I just felt comparing him to, to a Campillo for me, um, I'm, I'm going to land on, on the, speculative bat and, and the speculative side of the next golfer. I think if it, I, can, I can land on um, Campillo over John Antoine, where we're seeing the prices decrease everywhere, Tom. Yeah. We're seeing the best of the best out there that are tipsters are on our guy. <clears throat> I talked last week about how it was very um, – very hard for me not to be putting Guido Migliazzi on the betting card because these are the type of times he just shows up, right? He just shows up and there he was seventh after 54 holes and just in the mix Sunday did not go well, but what did Guido do last week? He was first in driving accuracy. He was third in greens and regulation. If you trust strokes gain statistics, he was very good in approach. That was vintage Guido on a course that, I didn't think set up all that well for him, right? At all. Like I, I, that's why I felt even more comfortable off of a break was like, man, let him get a little bit under him and see what he's got. And boy, he delivered. And now he, he opened at eighties this morning. He's on the fifty fives. I'm not missing it because I, I, this is the track I like betting on Guido. So we see a pop in form and we see a course that he would like feed me. We don't think we have the winners. It, it would just make no sense for you to abandon this week. Like there's, there's no value in not, betting Guido Migliozzi for you like I don't need to because I don't go there very often um, and you're going to do it for us so if he wins he wins for the show anyway um, but yeah no honestly like all his stats are lining up well from last week as you said I think he performed a lot better than I expected him to last week which is important um, and he's acclimatised to the area which is great um, probably actually a better golf course for him this time around uh, than it was last week and if he's performing like he did last week again then I see him contending on Sunday I guess it's if it gets, I think the tougher the better, right? So if it gets really tough on Sunday, I think he comes to the four and he can go and shoot that 67, 68 that people can't on Sunday. And we have um, the Ryder Cup venue next week on the schedule, right? So, yeah. he, I mean, that's a huge week for him, right? Like he's basically out of discussion for the Ryder Cup right now because he's played terrible since his win, right? Like he, yeah. he had gotten to a spot where it wouldn't have been a surprise if he was on that team after that Open New France victory and now um definitely has some more questions to be to be asked so similar to that and, and obviously McIntyre wanting to continue to ride that form um at Marcus Simone so I think both of those guys have those similar aspirations including Yannick too um we have a common selection as our next one one golfer I am incredibly excited about so tell the world about David Michelisi yeah, so I think the first message I sent you this week, which is something I like to do every now and then, is just, just to mention one name before we even talk about anything else. Um, and we don't generally talk until we get to these things, but we always throw a name out there. It was Dave Michaluzzi was the one, right? And I said, are we betting him? And it was a yes, a resounding yes. Um, 
playing eight events in 2023. And again, it's on the Australia Tour. You, you have to kind of decide what that means to you. But he's had two wins, two seconds, and he's also finished fourth last time out. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like in six of those, five of those events of the eight, he's been inside the top four. Um, it's a massive opportunity now, like we saw with some of the Japanese players last week. Sometimes that gets to people. Like if he gets to Sunday and he can get himself a DP World Tour card, is that going to affect him? We only have evidence that he wins. So to me, I think that we we ride the form and, and hope for the best. You are being asked to take a number at 50 to 1, I think. Um, like if he, if he performs badly, the next time he's 100 to 1 because people are just going, he can't play the DP World Tour. But he could very easily be a 22 to 1 golfer if, if, if we find out this week that he's got the right stuff for the DP World Tour as well. I don't think there's light years between the two tours. Yep, I, I totally agree. And, and the... The separation for me with Mr. Luzzi is, again, I'm good friends, and, and we all are, with, with Jude Deloy, who's deep in the, the Twitter streets and, and loves tracking kind of amateur golfers as they make their run. Mr. Luzzi had one of the top-tier amateur careers. He was the winner of the Australian Master of the Amateurs in 2018. So that event normally pulls the, the best of the best into it. Right. It's like Min Woo Lee was up there uh, that year. I mean, Mitchell Luzzi is somebody who had been on that radar for a long time and just took a slower start really to his professional career. So it's not all that much of a surprise when we see him kind of in that mix. I'm trying to see Nick Hardy, last week's winner, was also in that that event that year. I mean, you're seeing Philip Knowles on the PGA Tour, Chantero Bond. Uh, Harry Hall, Joel Meyer, some of the guys that were really Matthew Jordan, really, really good that year. Um, yeah. He, he just dominated. And and so his amateur career, it's been a long time coming for him to hit his stride as a professional. And that really started in his last 25 starts, basically, which have been absolutely excellent. One thing um, to question, too, there hasn't been that much clarity, truthfully. So, um, like, Manu Gondis and... Um, Dave, Daniel Van Tonder, and I think it was the China Tour, they all got the exemptions from the Order of Merit, right. um, the winning the Order of the Merit to the DP World Tour as a uh, tour card. I'm pretty sure Michel Luzzi already has a card for next year because he won the Order of Merit on the Australia Asian Tour. That extends in the off, like, their season doesn't line up with a DP World Tour season. So I'm rather confident that he has a tour card already. So he's so not under the pressure that we're playing with house money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's good. That's great information. I think, I think for me, like that only makes me feel more confident. But like, secondly, does that, I don't know. I don't know what that does for me, really. I don't know if that just means to me that he's free and it, there's no pressure on him on Sunday or whether it's a case of like he's wants to give a glimpse of what he's going to do next year. I'm surprised it's like a, is it a spot start or is he going to be playing the next three or four events? That's what, that is what I'm wondering. I'm trying to see, uh, I'll pull it up. Yeah. So, so here it was March 29th, David Michaluzzi, Tom Power Horton and Andrew Martin, all three have secured their DP world tour cards after finishing top three on the order of merit. Now this was March 29. So I have no idea why they didn't play last week. Why? Yeah. Power Horton and Andrew Martin aren't in the field this week either, you know. So and if and they, they just played, didn't want to travel to to Japan, right? I guess it, for it, sure. Yeah. 
So, so it's only a positive sign then. We're, we're hoping that this is going to be a long-term thing for him. And I think this is a good time to show people that follow our show, really, is a guy that, you know, I think we mentioned him in the ones to watch um, before the Christmas break. Yep. Like, this, this is his chance to prove that he's got it at this level as well. Yep, 100%. So, um, we got one last selection before we get into triple digits. And this one is, is playing off the Campio, which I think plays off the Yannick Paul a little bit. Um, I, I really think there is an argument for top five players on the DP World Tour this season that, that Marcel Seam is one of them. I really think there is a, an argument to be made that he has played exceptional golf this year. Right, if you look at what he's been since November. So you're looking at 16th, 5th, 47th, 19th, 17th, 17th, win, miscut following the win, 23rd. So, I mean, leading into that win, one, he popped over to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and that that was a strong showing from a strokes gain standpoint. He just did not make the cut, and then he comes back. I think that win was just, it was trending. And then yeah. to all see him him balloon back out to 75 to one. I brought up the DLF and the, um, the Corey Campillo comp for the hero Indian open and how difficult it was. Yeah. I mean, who was the winner of that event, right? It was Marcel Seam. So I, I really think that overall, um, he just is too long of odds at a course that should fit him just overall. Uh, and I think that's just simple as that, like the Campillo, I'm just landing on Marcel Seam for it. I, th- I think this is one of those weeks where sometimes I think we were hesitant last week because of there, there was so many good Japanese players with course form in form. This time, I think you just go with the talented guys at the right numbers. And that's one of my next selections uh, before I go into it. So I didn't actually talk to you about this one, but like how Tong Lee shot a second round 63 last week and he's yeah. here at 130 to one. We know how Tong sometimes just shows even one or two rounds and all of a sudden he can go on to win. So I think very much like Marcel Seam, except obviously a little bit younger and, slightly different pedigree like it took Marcel Seam a lot longer than it took Lee um but Lee's almost in that kind of like second third stage of his career already like Seam is so um to me I think I think just dovetailing off of your Marcel Seam pick I think for the same reasons House on Lee's ultra talented showing a bit of form recently and I think I I saw 130 to one on DraftKings not sure maybe where you know other sports but like I think that's a great number yeah uh yeah he's just like I'm just waiting. He's a true, for, I mean, enigma. He's I, a true enigma, right? Like he's he's got, he can yeah. shoot 77, 77 like this week, and and I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. But like sometimes we're being asked to take like 80 to one about him because he's shown a little bit of form. Sometimes we're being asked. To, sometimes you're being offered 400 to one because he's missed seven cuts in a row. Like as soon as he's shown something, his number kind of goes in the middle there, and I think that's a time to strike. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. I think you know you bake in. I mean, he was tied with Guido going into the last round, right? If those guys have average Sunday versus a poor Sunday, right? There, I mean, Guido is probably the odds that he is now, and Tong is not triple digits anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think trying to get early with that makes a lot of sense. Now, Tom, so normally I'm the one that's talking all this time in the triple digits. You have three selections if you include Tong, so you have two others yeah. that are 250 to one. Now, that's minor leagues versus my final selection. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but Go on with a couple of your long shots here. Yeah, so the first one for me, South Africans, Dion Germachet at 251. Like, I don't, I don't know that. One, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but I think it's something along those lines. Uh, the South African anyway. But I was just really impressed with him last week. Guys. It was 11th place or something along those lines. And his form's been trending in the right direction. He's at like 50th, 30th, 11th. And 
we've seen from his days on the Challenge Tour and days in South Africa, like he can win. He has contended on both of those tours. He hasn't quite done it here yet, but he's had those kind of a little bit like your Nick Beckham pick earlier in the earlier in the season, Sky. Like he's shown those odd rounds, and you think, okay, can he do it? Um, we don't know yet whether he's a finished half score. I don't think he is by any means, but I think at 250 to 1, when he's just finished 11th, I think it was last week, um, why would we not give Dion Gomeshire a chance at 250 to 1? Yeah, I was close. I, I, I liked that. Um, I, I think. Actually, he was ninth. I'm doing him a disservice as well. He was two, shot, two places better than I gave him credit for. Yeah, so, I mean, there's just, I, I, I mean, the, the way I, I speculate, right? This is, this is, Definitely. He's young. He's got a, he, I think he wasn't one to watch. So we talked about too, right? Like a yeah. strong amateur yeah. type of career, like that type of pedigree really matters to me. It's the Michelouzi type. It's the, it's yeah. the, the Bacham type. It's, it's, it's similar right there um, overall with it. So, so I can get. And, and you're getting him at the time where you see like he's finished ninth. Like we're, we're not, and a bit like Bacham where you had those, he finished 20th, but he had a really low round. Like, Gomeshay's had a really strong week, I think maybe his best week of the season so far, and he's he's got a chance to back it straight up. And I don't know that he's ready to win, but like I like Jez Jan Orton on the forty to one, forty five to one because he finished ninth last week. I know he went from first to ninth, it's a slightly different way of doing it, but Gomeshay's in ninth place as well. Like why am I not giving him a chance of two hundred and fifty to one? So yep. that was the first guy. And then just in case there is any kind of um advantage to these Korean guys. Mingyu Cho, uh, second, eighth and ninth of this golf course. Obviously, we know it's in the weaker field. It's in the Korean tour. But he's got four straight top 15 finishes as well. Um, and that includes a sixth and a ninth. So very much a case of he knows the course. He's comfortable. As much as there are those kind of, they're not elite Euro guys, but stronger European tour guys at the start. After that, it's very much the same field strength that he's been playing every every week. And it's on a course that he loves. So for me, Give Ming Yu Cho a chance um, at the 250 to 1. Uh, I'm probably butchering his name as well. But um, I think just two guys there, 250 to 1 in a week where you can throw some parts. I would say for, for Ming Yang Cho, um, two of those starts were on the Asian tour, right? So Thailand and then the World yeah. City Championship. Um, so I think. Um, if you're grading those out, like those finishes might be a little bit worse in that way, but they were better field strengths, right? Like, yeah. even, I mean, I did take one thing away. He played in the Open Championship last year, so that must have meant he had probably a really strong finish in one of the Open qualifying events. Yeah. He had some really strong approach numbers against best in the world, um, which is always kind of fun to see. Um, I believe his second round was, uh, or no, his first round was one of the best uh, approach rounds in the field. So um, just just really good for him uh, to know that's in his bag of tricks. I think, yeah, that would have put him, I think, like six in that round. Um, so I say it's minor leagues. I mean, 250 is, is pretty dang nice when we're looking into that. Well, um, but my selection here, my final one uh, is Wu Young Cho who is, of course, he is an amateur golfer. You know, he's not yet on the pro circuit. How, and he was a late field ad. So I would recheck if you checked your books already um, that didn't price him in the initial wave. He's, he's in there most of the time. He is as long as 700 to 1 this week. Um, I believe his top 20 is like 18 to 1. Last I checked at DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, top 20 is 12 to 1. Um, but... 
You can get that top 10 at 35 to 1 on DraftKings. Um, and, and Cho was the winner of the Korean Tour last week. He won by four strokes. Um, again, amateur playing to that degree. So that's his only start of the calendar year. Um, and then you look, he has cut his teeth playing on the Korean Tour as an amateur. So he did miss a handful of cuts last year. But in August, he was seventh at the International Series in Korea, which, again, those International Series are pulling live golfers in there. Um, so he had that. I mean, he had amateur pedigree. He had won twice um, in Korea in 2020 as an amateur. Um, so he's just had this type of degree. When, like, searching him out on Twitter, I found this very interesting. I always kind of like to look for players' names just to see what type of selections they were. And a couple of guys that we really trust in the DP World Tour, Brad, Jamie Worsley, both had been betting this guy back in 21 on these pop-up Asian Tour or Korean Tour invites when he was playing on that. And he was 80 to 1 at that time. Yeah. Like literally, yeah. maybe even like 125 to 1, right? So walking in off that win, you're getting him at 700 to 1. Um, I mean, he is not ranked that high in the Wagger rankings overall. Uh, he's one or 245th right now. But I think what's intriguing when you kind of look at Wagger overall, like there's a clear benefit if you play a good amount of events. And him, I mean, he has played in basically five or six events a year, right? When you yeah. throw those kind of away, I mean, he won twice in 2022. If you look at the Asian Games, the Haosheng Asian Games also, like, he, 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 of his track record of basically 25 events, the dude has delivered and 700 to one in this type of field. I like it for first round leader as well. Like when you kind of that speculative, when you get deep there. So um, that's going to be where I round out my card is, is a speculative bidder. But, but with someone like that, you could even go top 40 as well. Like top 10, top yes. 10, top 40, first round. Like it's all positive. Um, I'm convinced. So I'm going to go and do that now. That's going to be my first job uh, after getting off here <laughs> is to go and, go and join you on that. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Um, is there anybody else? I'm trying to think. I mean, there, there was a couple inform golfers. Uh, I mean, we mentioned Sang Moon Bay had won twice here. Young June Bay was 20, 20 or 22 years old, eighth, fifth, and sixth so far this year. Um, yeah. Alexander Knapp popped a little bit last week, uh, and he was first through 54 holes the time before we saw him. Guntak Cole had won. Um, prior Paul Williams was on another young golfer who was like uh, he was he was decently priced too I believe like 300 to one I'll see if I can find that was there anybody for you um, that jumped out that we didn't land on so Ryo hits a soon again like yes he's, he's had decent form and he's 13th here last year missed the cut last week which is a little bit surprising um, and then for some reason I, I feel like I don't know why, but Bio King came up in my research the other day, which is yep. always fun. Um, haven't necessarily dug any further into that because of uh, I just don't trust him to win. But like I thought, it was interesting to point out. So I think we may have mentioned Aaron Cockrell at this point last week um, as the kind of ones that could have been one of the extras. So I would say Hyson Soon is, is someone that you could uh, take in that spot if you like. But um, yeah, I think I'm pretty happy with my card. Like it's a pretty big one already. Um, you know, some deep longer shots in there. So stick with what we've got and uh, and hope for the best, I think, in Korea this week. Yeah, the other one was Min Kyu Kim, who won a challenge tour event at the age of 17. 
uh, age 22, uh, finding a little bit of, of form too. So perfect. All right, before we round out um, our cards, make sure if you are an audio listener, you can find us uh, on Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix, uh, available on all different podcast platforms. We rate, review, subscribe. goes a long way for us. So we appreciate all the support from you guys and Mayo Media Network. We love doing this. And obviously we're kind of hitting a little bit of a stretch run here on the DP World Tour um, as, you know, even – the, the next three majors will get a lot more shots with our type of golfers that we're, we're kind of speculating on. So that's always fun to see them run into the summer with some form. So Tom, you can review your betting card for me one more time. Yeah, so for me, it's uh, Yannick Paul at 20 to 1, uh, Joe Jenner Watson at 45 to 1, David Michelluzzi at 66 to 1, Theon Gourmachet at 250 to 1, and Ming Yu Cho at 251. And I will join your Mu Young Cho as well. Uh, just Wu Young Cho, sorry, um, in case I miss out on that huge 700 to 1 win. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I'll be on Robert McIntyre, 22 to 1. Jorge Campillo, 40s. Guido Migliazzi, 55 to 1. David Michaluzzi with you, 66s. Marcel Seen, 75 to 1. And Wu Young Cho, 70 to 1. We're going to ladder that up with a first round leader as well, Tom. That could be a great kickstart to waking up on uh, Thursday morning. I was a little thrown off. I totally forgot the early lock, right? I mean, this is finishing yeah, 2, yeah. 3, 4 a.m. Um, likely in, in the States here in the Eastern Standard Time. So for those on the West Coast of the U.S., you've got some prime time viewing of this type of event, and you'll probably catch it early in the morning. Yeah, I think it was by 4 a.m. Uh, on Sunday. I knew my fate with uh, – with Hachino and Jenna Watson on. So when people were messaging me saying, like, did you watch it? I was like, no, thank goodness I didn't because yep. I've been disappointed. Uh, you oh, sold yeah. yourself short there on Wu Young Cho. You said 70s on, 700s on. So uh, don't know. Yeah. Oh. I mean, if, if <laughs> yes. you want to take it to 70s on, I'd be that confident, be great. But um, 700s on is definitely where 700s. Yes. I, I appreciate that. that. That stops you in your tracks there. The <laughs> closing line already got there. But cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Tom. We appreciate you. Enjoy your time in Edinburgh. Um, and best of luck this week, everybody listening. Take care.